0: Welcome to the Senedd podcast. These are the First Minister's Questions. Thank you for listening.
1: First question is from Mark Isherwood. Uh,
2: what progress have been made to establish a community bank in Wales?
3: Uh, thank the member for that question, Chloé. The partnership created between Bank Cambria and the Community Savings Bank Association is completing a detailed project plan an initial market assessment and feasibility study with the help of both the Development Bank of Wales and Cardiff University. I look forward to early receipt of that report.
2: I I note I think I believe a cross-party group today which I couldn't attend referred to that and the development of the uh, the group uh, working in Bank Cambria to take forward your proposals for our community bank of course these run parallel uh, to the, de- the development of uh, the post office uh, banking framework agreement with twenty eight uk banks to enable customers on the high streets to access uh, wider banking services and the proposals two years ago from uh, responsible uh, finance wales uh, to for others for groups to work together to develop a a community bank model and of course I used to work in one of the poor bears of the the community banks, one of the mutual building societies. However, when I um, raised with uh, the First Minister at that time in 2010 here, the uh, risk management capital adequacy requirements and regulation a new bank would have to comply with, uh, which an established bank partner would not. The then First Minister agreed that setting up a new bank can be a, quote, costly and protracted business if you start from scratch and using the expertise that is already in the sector to develop a social model of banking makes sense. Um, what um, uh, discussion have you uh, and your colleagues therefore had uh, in consultation with consumer groups and industry experts regarding the feasibility of uh, a community bank in Wales reflecting those core banking uh, needs, regulations and principles?
3: Uh, well I thank Mark Iishwood for backgrounding. he is quite right to say that the business of setting up a new bank uh, has significant regulatory hurdles to overcome and that it can be a protracted business. But that is why we are working with the Community Savings Bank Association. And in that way, the landscape has changed since 2010 because the Community Savings Bank Association coming out of work carried out by the Royal Society of Arts. Has financed itself and led preparation of constitutional documents, IT systems, branch designs, payment system links, product specifications, and critically banking license application documents. So there is now a great deal more work that has been done by a group of experts that gives us the foundation for what Bank Camria can do here. In Wales. Uh, the banking licence application document particularly breaks the process of obtaining a licence into a number of manageable phases. And that's the way that we intend to work through the process in Wales. Taking it a step at a time, that's why the initial market assessment and feasibility study is so important because it will test those basic questions of viability and sustainability. And then we will move to the next stage, working with 11 other initiatives that are at various stages of progress across the United Kingdom, each one of them under the umbrella of the Community Savings Bank Association, giving us the confidence here in Wales that we have the advice we need to make a success of our ambition to establish a community bank.
1: Thank you. I'm sure it would be easier if you had our own regulatory rules in order to establish such a bank, but we as a party have supported having a community bank for many years, and I look forward to having an account in our community bank here in Wales, and of course this is a response now to the fact that high street banks have left our communities in the numbers that we have seen over the past few years and would you agree with me that the fact that we have failed to regulate and failed to put conditions on those banks has left us in this position where we have seen that exodus of financial services from our high streets in the way that we have seen over the past few years
4: well to be honest chloe it's so complicated you just can't say that the, it's a regulatory issues that lie behind uh, what's happened on the high street. What the banks say is that the business model that they've used over the years just doesn't work as it used to. Many years ago the numbers of people using the branch they have fallen. Very many more people do their banking online and so there is something about the business model too, and that's why it's been so important to work with the Community Saving Bank Association, because they've created a new model. They are confident that it's possible to run something on the high street in a different way which can work locally, and that is why we've made progress on that, because I do agree with what Freena Biorwith was saying about the problem. And the problem exists throughout the whole of Wales, we know that. But just saying that the old ways of doing things are the best ways, that is too simplistic and that's why we have the new model and we're working hard to get that model up and running here in Wales.
3: Question 2, David Rowlands.
5: Will so the First Minister make a statement on the performance of the National Infrastructure Commission for Wales?
3: I'll say the National Infrastructure Commission for Wales has made good progress in its inaugural year. Its first annual report was published, as intended, on the 27th of November.
5: I'll thank the First Minister, for that answer. But, as you say, on the 27th of November, the Commission presented its first annual report. No Assembly members were invited, and I am informed that even the Chair of the Economy and Infrastructure Committee, Russell George, was not informed of the presentation. It would seem massively disappointing that after sitting for 12 months, the report simply outlined a series of areas in which the future work plan will concentrate. concentrate. However, just a cursory glance at this report tells us that all of these aspects have already been identified and discussed at length in Assembly committees and in the public inquiry into the M4 relief road it would appear to be simply a cut and paste exercise surrounded by the usual preamble so first minister if it has taken the commission with 12 members 12 months to come up with the questions how long will it take to come up with the solutions given this process is again at considerable cost to the taxpayer is the first minister truly satisfied with the progress made so far uh, well, I hear on the Chamber that other Assembly members take a different
3: view as to whether or not uh, invitations were issued for them to be part of the publication of the annual uh, report. Uh, I don't agree with the members' uh, assessment of it. It is important that the Commission provided an evidence-informed baseline assessment in its first annual report. That is what it was asked to do. It identifies three key themes of decarbonisation, connectivity and resilience. It identifies ten specific key issues that it says it is going to address and asks for views from Assembly committees and others as to how they might best be resolved. It sets out three areas in which it intends to concentrate over the year ahead. In digital communications, especially in low-density rural areas. In renewable energy and connections to the electricity grid and transport where it wants to explore issues of capacity, congestion and decarbonisation. I think the annual report is a solid start to the work of the Commission. And what it will do is to respond to the report of the relevant committee, agreeing that the first State of the Nation report should be in November uh, 2021, and that it will report as the committee recommended every three years uh, thereafter. The Government has undertaken to review the Commission by May 2021, both its scope uh, and remit. And I think all that demonstrates uh, that there is an active programme of work which the Commission has begun to get a proper grip of and that there is a plan in place for it to continue to discharge that work over the years ahead.
6: Russell George.
7: Uh, thank you, President of Office. I should confirm I was at the uh, no. event uh, last no. week. No. Um, yeah. uh, but, but what I will say is that although I was there, I was very unenwhelmed by what was said at that first <laughs> annual uh, report. Um, it's taken uh, I, the Commission one year to find out... That what they need to focus on is energy, digital connectivity, broadband and transport. Well, any of us in this chamber could have told the Commission uh, just that. The only thing I did learn last week is that the Commission, which is set up to look at the long term, isn't going to take any evidence on the long term approach at the moment. Uh, so I have to say I am totally unwhelmed on the Commission's work uh, to date. And I don't think that the Commission is currently up to meeting the challenge that it has uh, before it. Um, can I ask, uh, First Minister, uh, do you think that the current approach lacks ambition and substance? What are you going to do uh, in terms to change the approach that's currently <laughs> happening so far and that with a lack of ambition and substance taking place? How many staff does the Commission appoint at the moment and how many staff will be appointed in the future? Uh, because I do think it needs to be properly resourced. Um, And you are appointing a long-term chair, which I do think is welcome. Uh, And what qualities would you expect to see in that long-term appointee? Uh,
3: Well, thank uh, the Member for that. I'm glad that he was able to be uh, present at the launch of the report. Uh, I don't accept what he says. When I last answered questions on the floor of this Assembly about the work of the Commission... Uh, I was asked around the chamber if it was going to be considering issues to do with water to do with waste to do with flood risk management to do with housing and the commission has quite rightly had to make choices in its first year about the issues on which it should concentrate and that was a proper exercise of selection so that its priority areas in the next 12 months could be uh, identified there is indeed Uh, an exercise that is currently ongoing for the public appointment process for a long-term chair uh, of the Infrastructure Commission. Uh, I'm glad, we, that in the discussions that uh, I have had with your office that that post is on the list of significant public appointments that will be tested through a pre-appointment scrutiny process here uh, in the Assembly, and members who have strong views on the qualities that the person appointed to this post should have will be able to test that individual through that scrutiny process
1: questions now from the party leaders plaid Cymru leader adam price in
6: the
0: seriousness of what happened at cumtath should we not have expected a labor shadow cabinet minister speaking at the senate to have familiarized themselves with this tragic case or is it simply true that wales
3: matters as little to the labor front bench in westminster as it does to the tories So, the events at Cymt deserve a more serious response than the one we've just been offered by the leader of Plaid Cymru. Whether a frontbench spokesman was completely familiar with the details is hardly of any relevance to the mothers and families caught up in events at Cymt This government has been focused, and the Minister has been focused, on making sure that those mothers' concerns are properly responded to, that there is every opportunity for them to contribute to the process of putting right to what went wrong at Commtve. Those are the things that matter to those families and to patients in the Kumntave area, and the attempt to turn it into some trivial political knockabout does them and him no credit at all. Surely the
0: fact that a Labour shadow cabinet minister um, had called for an inquiry on Friday then had to withdraw that on, on the Sunday simply because they, they hadn't shown I think what we would expect to, to, to from them which is a, which is a decent level of interest in what is happening to people in Wales it happened on the Friday you'd have thought having been caught out once by the, by their indifference and ignorance in relation to what is happening in Wales you would have briefed Richard Bergen on the Sunday I mean it wasn't just a, mo- a, a moment of utter embarrassment to the Labour Party as Allen Davis said you know his silence in not being able to respond to me in terms of what's happening uh, into the NHS in Wales. It spoke volumes about uh, an indifference to Wales that borders on contempt. Now, one area that I did agree with Richard Bergen, one area I did agree with Richard Bergen is in relation to the, the NHS. The President of the United States clearly... Um, despite his his denials earlier today uh, is is a clear and present danger to the future of the uh, the NHS. But can you explain, explain therefore, why you will not be supporting our proposal in the motion motion set out before the Senate to give this institution a constitutional veto on any trade deal which will imperil the NHS, and why you're not supporting our call uh, to back the NHS Protection Bill that Plaid Cymru MPs will be supporting in the next Westminster
4: Parliament?
3: Uh, The member has spent too long touring the television studios. Uh, His view of what matters to people in Wales is distorted by the hours he spends running Wales down in front of television audiences. Uh, And In fact, he's a victim of his own propaganda if he believes that shadow Labour members are somehow answerable to him. So NHS the nhs in wales is controlled the, wales, the nhs in wales is controlled by a labour government with labour ministers here answering questions across this chamber every week and on every aspect of it that's where decisions are made if he doesn't understand devolution luckily people in wales do and they'll take i think not kindly at all uh, to his view But the things that he happens to say in a television studio are the way in which public services in Wales ought to be organised. I heard him say it. Uh, So, you know, he'll want to dwell maybe for a moment on that. The reason we won't be uh, supporting by Cymru members in the floor of the House of Commons in the way that he suggests is because we are campaigning for a government that would render the need for such a bill entirely unnecessary. What this country needs is a Labour government in Westminster, prepared to stand up to Donald Trump, prepared to make it clear that our NHS is not up for sale, and then there will be no need for the sort of bill that the member uh, refers to. We're still fighting this general election. We haven't already given it up.
0: Yeah. I'd like to ask you finally to respond to some new information that's been released in relation to the now rejected proposals to introduce unpaid breaks for nurses in the north. Uh, first of all, can you say whether you believe it is appropriate that your officials sought to involve the chief executive of Betsy Cadwallader Gary Doherty, in political matters by sharing the text of a plaid motion in the Senate with him to which he responded with, as he put it, a suggested line to tick. He also states in, in, his, in, in his email that the now rescinded proposals to introduce unpaid breaks for nurses condemned by the RCN and Unison as draconian and wholly unacceptable are already operating in another health board in Wales. You have redacted the identity of the health board <laughs> in question. Are you able to tell us now which one it is? And before you're tempted to say these are operational matters or blame it on the to- Tories, are you prepared to acknowledge that from Cum to Betsy, there is one person that is ultimately responsible, First
3: Minister, for the NHS, and it's you? Uh, I'm responsible for the NHS, in Wales, in way that I am very proud indeed to be in that position. I am very proud indeed of everything that our NHS does every single day, uh, of the thousands of people who work in it, of the hundreds of thousands of people who are treated by it here in Wales, and whose levels of satisfaction at the Welsh NHS rose again in our national survey earlier this year. I am responsible, I'm proud to be responsible, and I'm very glad indeed that here in Wales we have the strong support of the Welsh public for the sort of NHS that we are determined to preserve here. An NHS publicly provided, publicly funded, available free at the point of use. That's the sort of NHS that I'm responsible for, and that's the sort of NHS I intend to go on being responsible for. I am astonished that the Uh, leader by believes that a motion placed in front of the National Assembly is somehow a political document. It is a public document. It is available to anybody to read. The idea that it could not be drawn to the attention of a health board in which it is named is nonsensical to the point that I think, baffles uh, me that the member should have even thought that it was worth uh, raising. I don't know which other health board has similar Arrangements. nor do I need to know I'm not responsible for nurse rotors. I'm responsible for the policy and the direction and the funding of the National Health Service.
1: Leader of the Opposition, Paul Davies. Uh, First Minister, today's PISA
8: results once again confirms that Wales has remained the lowest performing country within the United Kingdom for all <laughs> subjects despite improvements being made. Why is it that there has been no statistically significant improvements in Wales's PISA <laughs> scores in reading and maths since 2006?
3: Well, so it is uh, disappointing that on a day when uh, young people in Wales and those who teach them have received results that show uniquely in the United Kingdom Wales has improved its position in relation to reading science and mathematics, that the leader of the Opposition here cannot find a single good word, not a single good word to say for those young people and their teachers. Because I think that is the, that is the story that our schools will be hearing today, that of course uh, the position is not perfect, but the news today is positive. It shows improvement in all three uh, domains. No other part of the United Kingdom is able to demonstrate that. There are many other things in the PISA results today that we should be, we should be celebrating and we should be recognising the efforts that children and their teachers have made.
8: Well, clearly, First Minister, you weren't listening. I did yeah, say that improvements have been made. But you can't uh, dress this up because we are still at the bottom of the league table uh, of the United uh, Kingdom. Despite the hard work of those in the teaching profession, Wales' science scores are still significantly worse than 2006. Wales is ranked bottom of the UK nations in reading, maths and science. And Wales is the only UK nation to score below the OECD average in all PISA measures. It's quite clear, First Minister, that you and your government are failing to significantly improve Wales' education system. Now, I know and accept that the Welsh Government has announced a series of reforms, and only last month, Professor Calvin Jones of Cardiff Business School and Sophie Howe, the Future Generations Commissioner for Wales, published the Education Fit for the Future in Wales report, which called for a new, hypothecated and broad-based Welsh tax, specifically directed at enabling the curriculum transition. Now, given that you confirmed last week that taxes will go up under a Labour Government. Can you confirm therefore whether the Welsh Government will be bringing forward a Welsh education tax?
3: Uh, I've never heard uh, this idea other than from the member uh, himself. It has no resonance whatsoever uh, with this Welsh uh, Government. The truth of today's results is that Wales is now at the international average in all three subjects for the first time ever. That in mathematics and science, Wales performs at the same level as Northern Ireland uh, and in Scotland. That we have the best ever scores in reading and maths and improvement in science as well. It's not where we want to be. It's not where our ambitions for the next PISA uh, round want us to be. But you will never bring about improvements in a system if all you manage to do is forever... I can I can hear the member, I can hear him. He doesn't need to keep repeating it. I can hear him the first few times that he thinks that it's a sensible thing to try and interrupt from where he is sitting. It doesn't. It doesn't help him. It doesn't help anybody trying to make sense of these things. And it certainly doesn't help children and young people in our schools who have achieved something very worthwhile in these PISA results to act as though it didn't come for anything.
8: First Minister, we are still at the bottom of the UK League table when it comes to these results. Yes, of course, I accept that there have been uh, improvements, but you are quite clearly failing our children and young people because we should have seen much better improvement over the last few years. Now, of course, the... Uh, Education fit for the future in Wales report, which clearly you want to dismiss, has called for GCSEs to be scrapped. And as we're all aware, Qualifications Wales is launching a consultation on the future of GCSEs and other qualifications taken by 16-year-olds. First Minister, it is crucial that the Welsh Government gets this right and that Welsh learners will not be let down like the learners of the previous decade have been. Now it is an undeniable fact that Wales' 2019 GCSE results is on a par with 2007. Our PISA results, as I've just said, are still the worst in the UK and only 29% of young people in Wales actually go to university. First Minister, what reassurances can you offer learners across Wales as well as families and education providers that the Welsh Government will take responsibility for its record of delivery and that moving forward, no stone will be left unturned in ensuring that learners in Wales have access to an education system that is fit for the 21st century.
3: Well, Flauidh, this government has the most ambitious programme of reform in the education system of any government anywhere in the United Kingdom. Uh, it's a programme for reform which the OECD has endorsed again today uh, as the basis for the improvements that you have already seen. Uh, the member is right to say that PISA is only one of the measures uh, that we use to uh, understand the success of our education uh, system. Uh, that's why we were so pleased to see in the summer that a, uh, the best A-level results uh, in Wales are better than any region of England or of Northern Ireland. Uh, I answered a question from another of his members last week in relation to the report to which he refers and Qualifications Wales. Uh, the report will be a useful contribution to the consultation the Qualifications Wales is carrying out, but in the end it will be Qualifications Wales that will be responsible for making representations to the Welsh Government as to how we have a qualification system that stands alongside our new curriculum and that all of that underpins our ambition Uh, and we are as ambitious as anybody in Wales for our young people to get the best possible education to achieve everything that we would want them to achieve and then to go on to have chances in this economy Where those chances are fairly distributed rather than the sharply unequal society that his party has been determined to create.
1: Leader of the Brexit Party, Mark Reckless.
9: May I congratulate the First Minister, the Education Secretary, the 107 schools, and the 3,165 learners who took part in the PISA uh, tests? They are significantly better than the very poor results we saw in 2016. And I think it's appropriate to put that on the record. If it had been the other way, I would have been coruscating in my criticism. Um, Can I, however, ask, though, about the the results? On the science and the maths, there is a one or two point, very fractional uh, difference where we're below the OECD average. On reading, it is rather larger. There's a seven-point gap on those. And while it's true for the Welsh Government to say that these results are individually across the three areas, in line and not statistically significant when they are fractionally below, uh, is it not the case that in aggregate being below on all three, including a gap that's close to statistically significant on reading, means that the overall claim cannot necessarily be made that Wales has performed in line on an aggregate basis? Uh,
3: well, shall we, let me begin by thanking the Member for uh, the way in which he introduced uh, his question. It surely is a day to recognise the efforts that have been made and the achievements that have uh, resulted. Uh, he is right to point to the fact that the gap in reading is the largest of All three. And when he has a chance, as I can see, he has already begun to look into the detail of the results, he will see that that is partly driven by the gap between boys and girls in reading scores that we have here uh, in Wales. Uh, And we know that there is work that we have to do to persuade young men uh, to take an interest in improving their literacy uh, ability, uh, and that that is uh, there in. The results uh, that we see. Um, there is evidence in the figures of Wales's relative improvement over time uh, in reading. Uh, we have improved our position in the OECD rankings of different countries on reading as well as the uh, other two uh, domains but we recognize of course that there is more that we need to do particularly in tackling that phenomenon, which is true internationally, in every single OECD country that young women outrank young men when it comes uh, to reading. That is a more challenging problem in some parts uh, of Wales, and there's more that we will want to do, and our new curriculum, we believe, will help us to do that.
9: Well, I think what Welsh Government has said in response to these results is broadly uh, fair and I think the points about the OECD comparisons are well worth noting uh, in light of what we saw three years ago and the difference in the debate there, and I think that should be reflected in our comments. Will the First Minister, though, accept the picture is not as rosy in the intra-UK comparisons? And while for maths and science, the gaps with Scotland and Northern Ireland are not statistically significant, we do see England doing significantly better than both us and the OECD, and are there any lessons we can learn from England in that respect? Does the First Minister also accept there is a particular issue in reading, where the results have bounced back from a particularly poor result in 2016, compared to say Mass, where we've seen quite sharp improvements for two cycles in in, in a row, which we should note. But the, the results for reading, A, it's a reversal of a bad result last time rather than an improving trend and B, our results are statistically very significantly below the other three nations in the UK on reading. And I just wonder what the uh, First Minister might think from that. I just wonder, could he comment also just on two other things I thought were significant? There was a concern from head teachers in Wales reporting greater shortages of or inadequacies of educational materials, for example, textbook and IT uh, equipment. Uh, Does he think that's a fair concern for them to express? And finally, in terms of well-being, and this was a UK-wide rather than Wales-specific issue, uh, quite a lot of uh, young people reporting being likely to feel worried or, or miserable, and I know with the Young People Education Committee we've done some work on this, but um, has the First Minister got anything to offer to those students?
3: Well, uh, thank Margaret for those additional questions, And. I think, as the Education Minister has said, whenever she's been asked about this already today, we'll have another opportunity on the floor uh, of the Assembly. Uh, we've never suggested that these results are perfect, uh, they are positive, and there are issues, and in the reading uh, domain particularly, that we will want to take up as a result of these uh, scores and to see what we can do to improve them still further in the next round of uh, PISA results. In relation to resources, the Welsh Government is putting a major investment, uh, 50 million pounds, into improving IT uh, in in the classroom Uh, and, of course, I would expect teachers and headteachers to say that if they had more resources they could uh, do better, but that is a major uh, investment. Um, If you look at any international survey of reported well-being amongst young people in the United Kingdom, we come in the bottom half uh, of the league table. Uh, And that is a matter we should be uh, concerned about, uh, but it also in some ways reflects the way in which some of the questions in this test uh, are phrased to to get the raw material from which the answers uh, are derived. Uh, If I was looking for something uh, positive in the results that you could say to uh, those young people, then I will point to the fact that the disadvantage gap in Wales is significantly smaller than across the OECD uh, and that young people in Wales are better able to overcome disadvantage as a result of the education that they receive in Wales than will be true over the OECD as a whole. So a young person who comes into our school with a disadvantage gap is more likely to overcome that gap in Wales than across the OECD as a whole. And I think that's a positive message and that positive investment that our education service makes in young people, I hope, makes its contribution, along with many other things, to trying to convey a message to those young people about their importance to us, about the value we attach uh, to them, and about how their well-being, as well as everything else they achieve, matters in their lives and to Welsh people as a whole.
6: Question three, David.
3: Question three, David The
10: First Minister, make a statement on the number of people with autism who are studying in higher education in Wales.
3: Uh, thank the member for that question, Chloe. There were 800 higher education students in Wales pro- recorded in 2017-18 as having a self-declared social communication impairment, such as Asperger syndrome and other autistic spectrum disorders.
10: First Minister, you may uh, remember the unfortunate uh, case last year at Swansea University where a student was allegedly uh, suspended from her university course um, on health grounds. Now, I'm very pleased to see that Swansea University and Gower College have teamed up in a year-long project to support students with autism spectrum conditions as they prepare to make the transition from college to university. And I think that's a very, very important uh, uh, transition uh, for, in, in addition to the usual uh, concerns that uh, any student will have about in which course to enroll and where to study, autistic students typically need to take into account other factors such as uh, uh, the environment, social opportunities and special education needs support um, of any particular university and indeed that, uh, a particular course at a university. Now according to the National Autistic Society, education, health and care plan planning is key and this is done at schools and colleges increasingly I'm pleased to say but it's not been taken forward into higher education and do you agree with me that it's high time that we set the standard in Wales and insist that our, uh, our universities uh, have these plans so that students with autistic uh, spectrum <coughs> disorders um, are properly supported?
3: Uh, well thank you for those important points. I entirely agree with him about the importance of transition uh, that young people who are already getting help in one part of the system, that the next move that they will make within uh, the education uh, ladder, that the work that has been invested with them in one place is properly translated to the next place that they intend to go, so that that transition is as smooth as it possibly uh, can be. Now, the Higher Education Funding Council for Wales published its position statement on well-being and health. In June of this year. It has a series of actions that it proposes from the position statement that it will work on together with NUS in Wales, National Union of Students, uh, to make sure that young people with autism who are studying in higher education have all the help that they need. Uh, I recall the Swansea uh, uh, incident to which David Melding uh, refers. Uh, And within the last two weeks, uh, I met a young woman who is studying at Swansea University today who was very positive indeed about the help that she was uh, receiving to make sure that her uh, autistic uh, condition was recognised and understood. She was getting some help through the disabled student support allowance that we have here uh, in Wales, 3,400 well students benefiting from that 8 million pounds fund. But... The money was a small part of what she felt she was getting. It was the understanding that she was experiencing from the university, from her tutors and uh, and others, that she felt was supporting her to make the very best of her abilities and to get everything she wanted out of her higher education experience. Better transition planning, making sure that the things that David Melding referred to uh, are done will be of help in any young person's experience.
6: Beth
11: Uh, Prior to this question today, I spoke to a number of people uh, with autism and they were telling me that they're often drawn to higher education and some of them are often overqualified because they feel safety in um, having that academic background and safety in learning as opposed to uh, facing the job market where potentially they are stigmatised. They find that the job application processes don't fit with their needs. And the ONS has recently said that there's a 12% uh, pay uh, difference between um, disabled people and their non-disabled peers. So we can talk about higher education and getting those with autism into the system, which is all well and good, but what is the Welsh Government doing to support them when they're going out into the real world, when they want to compete for jobs on a level playing field in, in a way which is equal to them and which respects them also?
3: So I, th- I think it's a bit more than just all well and good, uh, because uh, I think the conversations you report are very interesting. Uh, because they do reflect what I've heard from young people as well, that if you have a condition that involves autism, then the period you spend in higher education is valuable for the qualifications that you might get, but it is also a really important part of your sense of being able to equip yourself to deal with the world beyond education. Uh, So, I entirely agree with what Bethan Jenkins has said, Uh, about the need to make sure that the world of work is also one that understands uh, the needs of people with autism that is equipped to be able to respond in a way that allows those people to make the contribution uh, they want to make. And there's a great deal of work that we have done over a number of years now uh, to deal with mental health issues in the workplace, with stigma that people uh, face. But a period spent in higher education by a young person Uh, who is experiencing autism is a genuine investment, both in their own sense of uh, qualification but also in their own sense of an ability to be able to face the world in the way that Bethan Jenkins reported her people she has spoken to uh, saying, and to be able to do that in a way that they feel confident that they will be able to deal with.
6: The first minister
3: make a statement on the support for rough sleepers in Flintshire. So, with the rise in rough sleeping, is one of the most visible signs of a decade of Tory austerity. In this year alone, the Welsh government will invest over 20 million pounds in preventing and relieving homelessness. All Welsh local authorities, including Flintshire, have benefited from this new funding.
0: Uh, The first minister, and you mentioned in your. Your response there, the, the, the impact of austerity. And this is happening on every single high street now. This is not just a, a big city issue anymore. Uh, towns like Connorsquay and Shotten have, for the first time in my memory, um, experienced people sleeping rough on the streets. Now, councils like Flintshire could well be overwhelmed uh, this winter. So I, I have written to you, First Minister, um, to seek what support, um, urgent support, you can offer uh, as the Welsh Government to councils like Flintshire to ensure people are not left out uh, in the cold this Christmas. And, First Minister, if I may, I also want to seek your assurance that the housing support grant will also be strengthened because, as often, it is the only flexibility um, available to support those people in very,
3: very difficult circumstances. Uh, well, thanks, Jack Sargent, for that, Llawyd. Uh, he is absolutely right to point to the fact that many of us in this chamber have lived most of our lives when the sight of someone without somewhere to sleep would have been absolutely rare and shocking. Uh, And now we see this phenomenon, as Jack has said, not simply in our major urban areas, but in smaller towns across Wales. And it is authentically shocking uh, that the fabric of our welfare state has been allowed to frame to the extent it has that we see people in those numbers now forced into that uh, position. Uh, The Homelessness Action Group that the Minister established and was chaired by John Sparks of Crisis has reported with a series of immediate recommendations for things that we can do this winter to try to uh, avoid the situation that Jack Sargent has uh, referred to. The Government has accepted all those recommendations and is working hard with local authority colleagues And with third sector organisations to implement those immediate uh, measures. Uh, We have sustained the investment we make in supporting people, which, as Jack said, is one of the flexible parts uh, of the budget that local authorities and their partners are able to uh, use to provide services to people. Because while rapid rehousing is at the core of what we want to offer. To people who find themselves sleeping rough, we also know that those individuals, because of the histories that they've been obliged to uh, go through, often have needs beyond accommodation. And that's what the Supporting People grant is there to do. And that's why we've sustained it through the whole of this Assembly term and intend to go on doing so.
6: Question, pimp, John-
12: Question five, John Griffiths. What further steps will the Welsh Government take to improve public health in Newport Thank uh,
3: Thank John Griffiths for uh, that. Uh, action to improve public health must begin from an early age, Slawiz, and I congratulate Newport Schools, all of which are members of the Welsh Network of Healthy Schools, and eight of which have already achieved the highest level of national award for their work in promoting health amongst their young people. There are further eight Newport schools on track to achieve this genuinely significant milestone.
12: Well, I thank you for that answer, first minister, and particularly highlighting the very good work taking place in Newport schools which obviously I'm very familiar with. I recently met with the British Lung Foundation and the extent of breathing problems I think is now something like one in five people in the UK having breathing difficulties and obviously clean air is a key way of ameliorating and hopefully in due course eliminating those problems. So we need to get to the stage where people are breathing clean air with healthy lungs. Um, one major aspect of getting to that situation, First Minister, is tackling road traffic, um, you know, getting people and freight um, onto public transport a, as much as possible. Um, and I know there are many policies in train and many practical ideas to help achieve that, but obviously it does need to be done as quickly as possible. I know that there have been many campaigns and indeed court action to try and achieve better quality air in Wales and in the UK generally. And some local authorities have responded. I'm very pleased that Newport City Council are now bringing forward proposals indeed with public health partners. But you know, there are lots of ideas around when you meet with groups. First Minister, you know, we have over 20 mile per hour speed limit work going on. Um, all of the active travel improvements that, that we need to make. Um, there are exclusion zones sometimes around schools. There are ideas about prohibiting car idling and making sure that buses you
6: and taxis... You do need to get to a question now,
12: geographers. Di- di- um, so, you know, no shortage of ideas, First Minister, but really I just think we need a sense of urgency as to how we make this change.
3: Uh, Well, I would entirely agree with John Griffiths about the importance of the issue and the need for uh, urgency. The Minister Leslie Griffiths will make a statement on the floor of the Assembly next week, I believe, on the Clean Air Plan uh, for Wales. In the meantime, it is very good to see uh, that Newport uh, Council have submitted to the Welsh uh, Government their new sustainable travel strategy, which has clean air at the heart of that. And as John Griffiths uh, said, Llywyd, Uh, The Local Health Board uh, for the Gwent area, published in September, building a healthier uh, Gwent in a conference on the 6th of November, had the need for clean air uh, and uh, its impact on people's health, absolutely, as part of that very lively discussion. Because John is right, there's not a shortage of ideas uh, in this area, and we, in many ways, will need to be bolder in our willingness to take on some of these ideas that will undoubtedly have uh, areas where people will find some difficulty in accommodating themselves to the steps that need to be taken, but we have to be serious about clean uh, air. It's a genuine public health uh, issue, and using the third sector, through the British Lung Foundation as others, to add to the repertoire is absolutely part of how we wish to go ahead.
11: Question, where, tell it-
1: Question 6, Dalit Jewell
11: on priorities for the NHS in
3: South East Wales. Uh, Thank the Member, for that. Amongst our immediate priorities for the NHS in South Wales East is the completion of the £350 million investment in the 470-bed Grange University Hospital. It will provide specialist acute and critical illness services for over 600,000 people in the South East of Wales. Thank
11: you, First Minister. A constituent of mine recently contacted me with serious (coughs) concerns about the way that CUMTAV Health Board has been dealing with his case. Now he was given an operation around a decade ago to remove a malignant melanoma, which was thankfully successful, but he was told he would need yearly checkups for the rest of his life to monitor the situation. He's since developed freckles on his eyes, which are benign, but they could turn cancerous and obviously owing to his medical history, it's even more important that he would receive uh, yearly checkups. Recently, his requests for an appointment from CUMTAV have been rebuffed on numerous occasions and it all came to a head when he received a letter from a private health company called Community Health and Eye Care acting on behalf of the Health Board who told him that he did not require further appointments with a consultant and that if he wished he could see an optician every now and again instead. Now, my constituent then contacted his consultant directly who was adamant that he did indeed need yearly checkups with a consultant. First Minister, could you tell us what Community Health and ICS relationship is with Cumtav Health Board? And do you agree with me that it would be completely unacceptable for a Welsh Health Board to employ a private company yeah, yeah. to cut waiting lists by denying patients appointments that they need for health reasons?
3: Good mm-hmm. uh, so question. Uh, I'm not familiar uh, with the details, of course, uh, of the individual case. Uh, and as Commtaf is n- n- not in South Wales uh, east, I haven't come uh, prepared with all the details to answer uh, the question uh, this afternoon. Uh, but what I do know is that the minister has recently reformed the way in which ophthalmology services uh, are uh, so sorry I, I can't. Uh, I can't hear the but to continue
6: uh, answering the question. I,
3: I, I do know in general, I'm trying to be helpful as I can to, to the member in her question, uh, that the minister has reformed the way in which ophthalmology services are provided in Wales to make sure that follow-up appointments are treated just as first appointments would have been in the previous system, because we know that 90 percent of follow-up patients are likely to need the sort of ongoing care. Uh, to which Delatio uh, referred in the individual case which she has identified this afternoon. It is very important that we make maximum use of the very skilled individuals who we have practicing ophthalmology in the community. We have an underused uh, resource. We, you know, we've, we've known this for a number of years that people are sent to hospital for appointments when those conditions could just as equally clinically be uh, attended to by our highly trained uh, opticians who operate uh, on the high street. Uh, So our policy is to maximise the use of community services, so that people who need a consultant-led service uh, are able to get it more rapidly because they're not waiting behind people who could equally easily and more conveniently have received the care they need in the community. I'm very willing to look at the individual case at all to see whether those principles have been properly applied uh, in that case. But that is the underlying approach which the Welsh Government brings to these services.
6: Question 7,
1: Heaven David. 7, David.
13: Will the First Minister make a statement on the Welsh Index of Multiple Deprivation 2019 results report?
3: As I The latest Welsh Index of Multiple Deprivation was published on November the 27th. It well illustrates the impact of a decade of enforced
13: austerity on communities across Wales. There was uh, some positive news for Lansbury Park in the Caerphilly constituency. It is uh, no longer ranked as the most deprived area in Wales, although as the First Minister recognises, uh, there are still difficulties and it remains in the top Um, ten. I think the improvement has been down to a mixture of investment from... Uh, the Welsh Government, the European Union and Calfilly County Borough Council, particularly with regard to the Welsh Housing Quality Standard. Uh, £8 million has been spent on new cladding, uh, roofing for council properties, 4.5 million has been spent on new bathrooms and kitchens and overall 2.5 million in addition with regard to the Welsh Housing Quality Standard. I think some of the things we've talked about today with regard to education and the improvements the Welsh Government has plans uh, there will make a difference in lansby park flying start makes a difference to community to that community what more can the welsh government uh, and the first minister envision will be done for a close knit community a wonderful community like Lansbury park
3: uh, well thank having uh, david for uh, that it's very important that we analyse uh, the wealth of information that's there in the welsh index of multiple deprivation both to understand why there are some communities that remain at what the uh, report describes as the deep rooted end of deprivation, and why there are other communities who have managed to uh, find a different place uh, in that report. And Lansbury Park, it's very good to hear uh, that there's been some progress made there. So, uh, with when that analysis comes to be done, I think what uh, we will see is that those communities who find themselves. At the sharpest end of deprivation in Wales, have one key characteristic in common: that they have an overrepresentation, compared to other parts of Wales, of families with children. And the reason that they end up in the position they are in is because of the cuts in benefits that those families have had to face over the last uh, decade. A lone parent in Wales uh, will lose £3,720. Every year as a result of benefit cuts in Wales. A family with three or more children in Wales uh, will face cuts of £4,110 every year. That's £75 every single week. Less to manage on to meet the needs of your family and your children. And those communities that find themselves at the sharpest end of the Welsh Index of Multiple Deprivation have more families with children than other communities in Wales. And it's no surprise to me that you see that reflected in the tables. But just as we look to understand why there are communities that face those challenges, it's really important that we look to see how other communities have managed to find themselves in a different part of the spectrum. So Butetown here uh, in Cardiff, where we are today, which back in 2005 was ranked in the top 10 of the most deprived wards in Wales, is today ranked at 150. Uh, The Riverside ward in my own constituency, where I live, was ranked 11th in 2005 and is now 108th. So there are communities, and they're to be found not just here in Cardiff, but in Swansea, in Merthyr, in Aberavon, in Caerphilly, in RCT. There are communities that found themselves at the sharpest end, who today have moved to a different part of the spectrum. And it's equally important that we try and identify what the conditions have been that have allowed those communities to move in that direction. I think, Kevin David, in pointing to the Welsh Quality Housing Standards and some other investments that have been made, has begun to help with that analysis, identifying the factors that create conditions of success, and then helping us to do more of that in the future.
6: question,
1: Question 8 is withdrawn, so finally,
3: question 9, Vicky Howell.
6: Dear what consideration has the Welsh Government given to the finding of the Unadopted Roads Task Force?
3: Thank the Member for that. The Unadopted Roads Task Force Group published its report last summer, and the recommendations were approved by the Minister for Economy and Transport. Uh, that group is now implementing the recommendations that it made.
6: I thank the First Minister for that answer. and I have a right plenary today, uh, straight from a meeting with Persimmon, where it looks as though we are very, very close to getting three estates adopted, uh, some of which were built almost eighteen years ago. But I'm very well aware that for every family who I've been able to help uh, with regard to that, there are many, many other homeowners out there in Wales living on unadopted roads or on unadopted estates. I welcome the findings of the Unadopted Roads Task Force but I would like to know what plans are there for the future to progress those recommendations?
3: Uh, Thank the Member uh, for that. There were seven different recommendations made uh, by the group. Uh, It wanted a good practice guide to be produced and that has been produced and is currently being trialled by local authorities. Uh, It asked for the development of a set of common standards, and that work is very close to completion. It's being carried out jointly by local authorities and by housing developers. Uh, And it began its recommendations by asking for the establishment of a comprehensive database of unadopted roads here in Wales. So we knew the scale of the problem and what needed uh, to be done. Uh, that work of establishing that database is nearly complete. We expect to see it ready for publication uh, in the new year, and the Minister for Economy and Transport will provide further information to members on that work uh, once it has been completed. Thank
1: you, First Minister. The next item is the business statement.